0: Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively.
1: Your hosts, Candy
0: and Ashley, will
1: discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale.
0: Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. Thing in between so come on and join the fun the curtain opens in three two one
1: hey ashley hi candy i'm looking forward to this First of all, for our listeners, we decided with a new season, you already know we're trying a couple of different things. So Ashley had the idea of perhaps we should experiment more with using Zoom and and video recording some of our episodes to see if perhaps some people might enjoy watching them on our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So we are recording this, which is a little different for us. And the other thing is, it's been a while since we had a surprise episode and this one is a surprise for Ashley.
0: I'm excited.
1: Do you have any guesses at all?
0: No, because this is for November, and November, the theme for November is cornucopia, which is anything. So there is no... Anything goes. It's candy's, it's dealer's choice, candy's choice. (laughs) No, I have absolutely no clue.
1: Well then, let's just see. It won't take you long to figure it out, but let's just see. Okay. So I'll start by saying, last night my family went to eat at Blind Squirrel. Have you ever eaten there? No.
0: What is a Blind Squirrel? (laughs)
1: It's just a really cute little restaurant, but it has a lot of TVs around the room. And last night they were playing a lot of music videos and they were older music videos because Camden commented that he recognized a lot of them from when he was in middle school. A lot of the songs were older. Okay. So my question for you, Ashley.
0: Would the music videos be older for us though? For Camden, that's old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's still 10 years ago, regardless. Yeah, true. Well, I was going to ask you, what's a memorable music video for you, whether past or current? It doesn't matter. Just can you think of a music video that stands out?
0: So absolute first thing that popped into my head when you said that. Because the first thing that I thought was, I don't know. Second thing was walk like an Egyptian.
1: Oh, okay. And why does it it come to mind, do you think?
0: Mm, Probably from my days in elementary school in the roller skating rink and they would play that (laughs) song a lot and I just remember the music video to that and the bangles and I just thought they were so cool
1: the one that came to mind for me and you're younger than I am so I'm not sure if you've even seen this but we'll see Michael Jackson's Thriller
0: oh yeah yeah uh did I see that of course I've seen it but I don't remember the last time I saw it. Everybody remembers the dance, but I think it's been a while since I saw the full video.
1: Well, I remember the very first time I saw it. I was young. We lived in the country, so we didn't have cable. We we had to live by normal TV channels and there was something called Friday Night Videos. Okay. And you probably don't even you're probably not even familiar with that, but It was a channel that played videos. And I remember when Thriller first came out, it was a big deal. It had been hyped and stayed up to watch it. Of course, it's nighttime. I'm younger.
0: You love doing that scary stuff at night.
1: I do. I do. But they really had us kind of hyped up because there was talk about how scary it was. And there was a disclaimer, which I rewatched the video again just before this to remind myself. But there was actually this little message that appears on the screen right when it first starts from Michael Jackson that says, quote, due to my strong personal convictions i wish to stress that this film in no way endorses a belief in the occult Ooh. and just the fact that it started with that yeah. it's nighttime i've been hearing how scary it's going to be and then it starts it was scary i mean i remember it was Isn't very it impressive at the it...
0: end yes
1: mm. oh my goodness that got me i remember the whole thing was just such an experience, but of course I loved it. Mm-hmm. So that was a memorable music video for me. Can you guess what our topic is?
0: Well, I'm going to assume, is it Thriller? <laughs> no.
1: MTV.
0: Oh, MTV. Oh. MTV. Yes. Okay.
1: What's your experience with MTV, Ashley? Have you ever had it? I know you you haven't necessarily had a lot of cable access, have you?
0: No. I remember watching VH1 and the yes. Papa videos, I, of course, my love of trivia. I loved watching the pop up videos where they had the information, yes. about different stuff. But yeah, I mean, MTV is swirling around in there. I did see some stuff on there. Their first video was "Video Killed the Radio Star." That was the yes, it
1: was. How do you know that?
0: I don't know. Trivial Pursuit, maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> I just know that.
1: Uh, awesome. That's funny because I actually loved pop-up videos too. So I totally relate to that. That's exactly up my alley, all that trivia. But well, I decided to do MTV because I can't even recall. It just came up in conversation with friends one day. And I thought, well, that's an interesting topic that I think a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. And 2021 was the 40 year anniversary of its launch.
0: No kidding.
1: Yes. Yes. But I thought it would also be interesting for our younger listeners, because I think that what I'm going to share will take them totally by surprise. MTV today is nothing like MTV when it launched back in the day. And I don't think young listeners probably understand that. Just a word to our younger listeners before we start. Guys, you don't know how lucky you are when it comes to music. <laughs> so I know nowadays you can pick up your device and you can get a hold of any song you want, any artist you want, day or night. And it and a lot of times it's either free or you've got a subscription so it feels free. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Oh, back in the that's day, a, if you loved a like, song, you got your yeah.
0: player and you got ready and you waited for it on the radio. And you hit record after the DJ did the little intro, and then you were like, "Oh, yeah, mixed." And somebody
1: like your it. your sister would like say something right at the end and like ruin your whole recording. It it was awful. Like you were at the mercy of the radio. Mm-hmm. or, I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but I didn't have a lot of money. Let's say you really loved a song, you could go buy a video cassette or a, an eight-track tape, depending on what year it was, and play it on your stereo in your car, but you would have to buy the whole album, and you might only want one song.
0: Brian had the brilliant idea, shoot, 10 years ago, 20, where before it happened, Brian's like, there should be a way that you can pay a dollar and just buy the songs that you like. And of course, they come out with iTunes where you can just pay for the songs you like. So somebody's following Brian around and took his idea.
1: That's right. It's a shame he didn't market that idea. He could be a millionaire.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like my brother regretting to this day that he never invested in this weird, this He was a kid and he loved to watch all these tech tech videos back in the day. And they were talking about this new search engine called Google. And they were like, everybody really, really needs to invest in this. And he still gets salty when he's like, I, I was 12, but I should have known. I should have known.
1: <laughs> if only. If only. Well, the point is, especially for you guys who are younger, you can only imagine how exciting it was in a context like what we've just described to realize that you might have access 24-7 to your favorite songs with the bonus of actually getting to see what the artist or the bands look like, because you didn't even know that a lot of times. And then you had like the story that the video tells, which makes your song so much better and more fun to watch or listen to. So it was a big deal when they said that they were going to come out with MTV. Now to kind of talk about the setup It did launch in 1981, but of course it took two or three years to get it ready. And so to give you like a little bit of the behind the scenes, there was a lot of excitement when they came up with this idea, a lot of planning that went into it. And so the producers actually came up with that image of the astronaut who is now called the moon man. Because they knew that MTV would be so groundbreaking. They, that was kind of something that they wanted to be symbolic. This astronaut launching into new territory. Okay. So that was, a yeah, that was a whole decision. So they brought in, and the MTV execs brought in this design team from New York City called Manhattan Design. And they said, you know, help us come up with, you know, some kind of video, some kind of something to launch this. And this group, who was headed by Pat Gorman, Frank Olinsky, and Patty Rogoff, came up with the idea of launching the MTV cable channel with a literal launch. So they approached NASA and they managed to get actual footage from the 1969 Apollo 11 space shuttle, you know, launch, and they used actual footage. So if you go back and you watch it now, this little intro clip that they put together, this little video, you're seeing actual NASA footage that then kind of turns into this cartoonish astronaut who walks across the moon surface and he plants this flag that has the you know, the MTV logo on it and you hear that, you know, rock music playing in the background. Well, that whole thing was very intentionally designed to be symbolic and to show that this cable television channel was claiming uncharted territory. And that was a quote that came from, yeah, one of these fellows, Pat Gorman from the Manhattan design team. So I thought that was awesome.
0: Yeah, I never knew why. I never knew or never, never even thought about why are they using an astronaut? So, okay.
1: Yeah. An interesting A little side note with that was they were actually intending to use Neil Armstrong's voice. They wanted to use his quote, where he said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Mm -hmm. And so they thought they would be a little tricky. According to this book on MTV written by Craig Marks and Rob Tannenbaum, the MTV people sent Neil Armstrong's lawyer this little message that said, hey, if we don't hear back from you we're going to use your quote, and for a long time they didn't hear back, and they thought they were going to do it. And then just days before MTV was supposed to launch, they got a message from the uh, lawyer saying, "Yeah, we're going to sue if you do that." <laughs> so, <laughs> so they didn't get to use Neil Armstrong's voice. Yeah, they went without it.
0: That's a nice tactic. But if I don't hear back, it means you're cool with it. And then yeah, you say, "Oh, I never got your letter. Oh, the mail." <laughs>
1: So sorry, (laughs) (laughs) because that little video and the figure became so iconic. That's why they decided they were going to use that moon man as the figure for the statuette that they used for the MTV VMA Awards, the video music awards that continue to this day. And they actually played that little video clip I just described for five years at the top of every hour on MTV, which, of course, is why it became so well known. Regarding that MTV logo, at the beginning, they were going to do something very typical, something along the lines of what NBC or ABC does. And then that same design team said, you know what? You have a very young audience. You're targeting this really youthful group. Why don't we make it more fun? It's actually just a big block letter M. And then they kind of like, yeah. And then they spray paint the little letters like TV across it. Yeah. And it cost a thousand dollars for the Manhattan design team to come up with that, which is not very much when you think about it's been around now for 40 some years and it. Yeah. Okay. No, it's kind of wiggly. What year were you born, Ashley? I'm trying to remember. 80 years. So of course you don't remember anything about this because you were a baby. I,
0: yeah. Baby. Oh, yeah. I wasn't focusing on any of this.
1: <laughs> not, not a bit of it. <laughs> no. MTV launched at midnight on August 1st, 1981. MTV, by the way, stands for music, television, mm-hmm. and it did launch with that video that we've just described, and at the end of that video, you heard the voice of John Lack, who was one of the MTV creators, and he says, quote, ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll, and that is how MTV started. Cool. As you said, the very first music video was Video Killed the Radio Star, which was very intentional. I. You're kind of, I'm can you hear it in your head?
0: Video killed the radio stars. Yep.
1: Yeah, which I thought was a really cool choice. And it's funny because I'd never really stopped and thought about it, but video killed the radio. I mean, it, yeah. it's very appropriate. And I found out that the program director, Steve Casey, kind of had to fight for it a little bit because he did think that it would be really symbolic. He wanted to use that song, but some of the other people on the team said it didn't really become a hit in the US. It only got to number 40 on the charts, even though it had reached number one in England. So they said, we should go for like a hit. We should go for a number one. He's thinking
0: history. He's thinking this, no, this is symbolic. And that's what I, what I'm learning is the, it was very intentional. All of this was Mm -hmm. very intentional, even down to the first video created or released. And I think he was trying to say something.
1: You are 100% correct. He literally said, quote, nobody's going to be watching. It's symbolic.
0: Yeah. They don't watch yet.
1: It had some issues there. It also wasn't being widely watched because it was cable and not a lot of people had cable. It was actually only accessible to a small portion of New Jersey, I think at the time and the people who subscribed to a very particular cable operator. So it wasn't widely watched. As you said, he knew he was making history. So that was one of their issues. They didn't have a a big population. And another issue was they also didn't have a large library of music videos. In fact, you know, with their format being they were going to show videos nonstop, 24 hours, seven days a week, in their first day alone, they had to repeat some of their videos up to five times because they just didn't have that many videos.
0: Because it didn't exist yet.
1: There were some music videos that were out there, but not, they changed the whole medium.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The music videos, I could completely be wrong, but I think the music videos back then were more like live performances, videos of the person singing live, like something mm-hmm. you would see on the Ed Sullivan show or, you know, the Beatles, we all know the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, they were filmed, but it wasn't, there wasn't a plot to the music video. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that started with this, right? Or no?
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I hadn't seen it expressed that way, but I think I think you're absolutely right, because what I did hear the article say again and again was how MTV revolutionized all of it, from how record companies marketed to exactly what you said, how these videos themselves looked and what right. people did with them.
0: Some of the early music videos were weird, man, because Brian was watching some ABBA stuff and I guess they would predate this. They would have been in the 70s or 80s or something. They were super weird. The videos. It's like when you get a new camera and it does different functions or you get a new program that has a 100 transitions and you go, I'm going to use them all. And they, they would be kaleidoscope or they would be doubled or they would be like fisheye. And it's like, did you just pick one? Don't, don't. Don't, don't try all of it because this is a good <laughs> ABBA song, but you're weirding me out, guys. I don't even remember what song it was, but just look up old ABBA videos. I'm sure you'll come across it.
1: That is so funny. Spoken like a filmmaker. You would yeah, notice that. I,
0: I did notice that because I've been there. I've gotten new I've gotten new toasters, new transitions. stuff. I've been like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do a wipe, <laughs> you know, and you use them all. That's not good. And, but maybe
1: thing. not publish those. Maybe, maybe experiment first and yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to the point we just made about the fact that when it launched, it was not accessible to very many people, even the VJs themselves, we'll talk more about them in a second, but the video jockeys, they had to go to a restaurant in New Jersey themselves to watch the launch of the channel they were on. Like that's how limited it was. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons behind the slogan that many people remember where there would be famous singers, artists, bands who would say, I want my MTV. Do you remember? I do. Yeah. 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 That was actually really intentional. That was part of a campaign where they were trying to get these young viewers to demand access to MTV from their cable companies so they started super smart. They started getting all these people like Sting or um, Cindy Lauper, David Bowie to tape this little promo that would say, I want my MTV and they would play it and then it worked. People did start demanding access to the MTV and before long, it was very widespread. So I didn't know if you wanted to hear just a tiny, tiny bit of the audio from one of those. I want my MTV sure. yeah. promos. Is that All right. Yeah. If we can hear this, I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Okay, so that was Sting and I think Joan Jett, just a variety of artists who were weighing in there. Well, I'm wondering, Ashley, should we take a small break before we go on? Or do it.
0: I'm gonna look up that ABBA video. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, we are back from break, and we had a delightful <laughs> little detour.
0: <laughs> a little Ger- George Ashley. down the lane.
1: <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I got to see pieces of uh, four different videos, which I think has just affirmed your theory from earlier.
0: They got a new camera, a new editing thing, and they said, try it all. They said, the, the director said, what would you like? And they went, Yes. <laughs>
1: But you're making me think. I think your point is so valid. It's technologically, they didn't have the same know-how that they did even 10 years later. But also they were breaking ground. They didn't even really have the concept of the music video itself, like a story that, that yeah. complements a song. Right. It was really more about, as you said, we're going to sing and how can we make this really entertaining as we well, now I'll film ourselves there. performing. i be
0: there. Now I'm going to be the side. Now I'm going to fade in. Now it's a light. Now it's a snowman. You know? <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, It was fun to watch, though.
0: We'll post the links.
1: We will definitely have to post the link. Well, moving back into MTV. Yes. So in its early days, we've already referenced the fact that they had what were called VJs instead of DJs. Disc jockeys for, you know, your radio, VJs for your videos. And the... Very famous VJs were JJ Jackson, Martha Quinn, Nina Blackwood, Alan Hunter, and Mark Goodman. And they were chosen very carefully to represent these this kind of young hip crowd that represented different types of people as well. And They would film these VJs introducing their videos, but they were not live. Even though it looked live, they actually filmed it in this loft type studio, Mm -hmm. which meant that another issue that they dealt with in those early days were tech glitches where they would introduce a song and a different song would play or perhaps, yeah, something would happen and they wouldn't respond because it was pre-recorded, and it would seem as though there was some kind of a gap there. All kinds of things. So a second issue. The VJs themselves, in an article that I saw where they were reflecting back on their 40 years, they they were interviewed. A couple of them mentioned that they did not think this was going to be a success. And they kept their day jobs for a couple of months until they made sure that MTV was going to make it. In fact, um, Alan Hunter remained a bartender for two full months after MTV launched until he felt like it was safe to quit. So it was, it was an unknown to them. So a couple of firsts, Pat Benatar's song, You Better Run, was the first female fronted promo to air, according to one article. And REO Speedwagon's Take It On The Run was the first bit of concert footage that was screened on MTV. And then they said that Keep On Loving You was the first US Hot 100 chart topper, That appeared on MTV, and apparently Rod Stewart was one of the early most populars, if you want to call it that, because one time he made sixteen appearances in twenty-four hours across some of his different songs and videos. Wow! Yeah, the golden age of MTV lasted from the early nineteen-eighties to around nineteen-ninety-two. So, how did it change the music industry? Several things, some of which we've already kind of touched on. One thing it did was It helped with spreading the second British invasion, if you want to call it that, because MTV was a medium that they used to share a lot of those British bands, those British artists, and they became hugely popular in America. So that was one way that MTV change the industry. Another thing that happened was listeners who saw these bands and and the songs that they liked on MTV would actually start requesting them from the radio stations. Yeah. And that actually that yeah that kind of impacted how certain artists or groups or songs, their popularity. And so basically, it started kind of pushing in the direction of the taste. Basically, the listeners were having more influence, I guess you could say. Like this was a way for them to actually influence songs being played, music that was being created, popularity of bands, all of these things were now more closely tied to response from the actual viewers themselves. And then, of course, this is the one we've touched on. MTV really became a platform for artists to promote their new music. Record companies started investing a lot more time and money in the promotion on MTV into the videos.
0: In the 50s and 60s, we had American Bandstand. In the 80s and 90s, you have MTV. So that's 100%.
1: Makes sense. Yep, 100%. And so this is where we started to see these really attention-grabbing and innovative videos coming out that were using technology that had not been seen before. We've already talked about Michael Jackson and Thriller. He was one of the big groundbreaking stars as as you know, we've kind of already mentioned. Let's just talk about Thriller for just a second. It broke ground in so many ways. It's a movie. Yes, absolutely. They had never had anything of that length. I think it was something like 4 minutes into it before the song even started. They used some technology that you hadn't seen before. There were so many things. Even the way they approached making it, it was going to take more money than I think had ever been put into a a music video before. So they needed a huge chunk to pay for it, something like $500,000. So they pre-sold the video, The Making of Thriller to MTV and Showtime. And they each paid something like $250,000 and then that money was put into actually making the the video. That's yeah, not- everything about it was just so different. They said the demand for Thriller when it came out was so high. MTV had to play it twice every hour. And as you said, because it was more than a music video, it was more like this mini movie. They actually, I think, got it to qualify for the Oscars. Oh, so he broke ground with other works that he did too, songs like Billie Jean or Black or Wh- Black and White. Do you remember Black or White? The way they would do the the morphing of the faces.
0: No, I don't remember that one. I remember the Billie Jean dancing with the squares lighting up.
1: Yes, I that. yes. Black or White was around the time I think of Terminator Two when they would have oh. the, you know how the figures kind of morph. Yeah, I think. I think it was one of the first videos to ever do that kind of morphing technique. I know that's not the technological term, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you remember Take On Me? Take On Me. Yeah. Yes. It's funny because I asked my two kids, who are obviously a lot younger, and Camden did not you know, remember the video, but Kennedy could call it up in her mind. And I thought that was telling, the fact that she's as young as she is and that video made such an impact that all these years later,
0: what is the video?
1: If I recall, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think it, it's a kind of a romantic story, and this guy and this girl kind of start as real figures, and then it's almost like he gets pulled into kind of this cartoonish world, if you would. Yeah, I yeah. I,
0: I think I remember that. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, but that's the kind of thing where it was cutting edge, and because it was so different, it's been lasting. Mm-hmm. You know. They started to use videos in other ways, too. For example, a few directors, including Spike Jones, started to work on music videos as kind of a segue into feature films, kind of introducing or trying to set themselves up for some of their movies. So they were using videos in lots of different ways, breaking some ground. And there was a lot of impact. One of the obvious things was that it made mega stars out of people like Madonna, Michael Jackson, Prince, Duran Duran, Janet Jackson. I mean, we could name, yeah, so many stars. It gave them exposure by playing their music over and over again. But they also started to launch new videos through MTV, it would become kind of this big event. So they used it in that way.
0: Good marketing.
1: Yes, very good marketing. It said millions of people would tune into MTV at the same time to catch the premiere of a new video by some big star. So very smart marketing. And another impact, it was given credit for pushing cultural boundaries they gave the example of madonna's 1989 like a prayer video which at that time was very controversial they also gave an, another example of kind of pushing boundaries and going into new territory by sharing that in 1988 they launched the show yo mtv raps which really gave a lot of exposure and helped to to break ground with rap you know it kind of gave that a lot of exposure a lot of they use the word it really started the hip-hop revolution i think is how they phrased it in one article in 1984 is when they launched the mtv music video awards which still continues to this day they also in 1992 started the mtv movie awards which i didn't realize still continues i don't think it's nearly as well known but it's called mtv movie and tv awards now so those two things still continue And as you mentioned earlier, another thing that it did was lead into other channels and programs like VH1, Comedy Central, why didn't and and some of the very early and well-known reality TV shows like The Real World.
0: Right, I did know that. Yeah.
1: So for about ten or fifteen years, it was considered pretty cutting edge. But MTV didn't make a lot of money from showing music videos twenty-four hours a day, so. People started to lose a little interest, especially with the internet and YouTube and streaming services and all those things that started coming into play. And so around, I guess, early 2000s, MTV really started the shift into taking their programming away from music and moving it.
0: That's the thing about being innovative. When you come up with a brand new idea, you're going to get copied. And when you get copied, the audience is going to get distilled through the different channels. I mean, competition is good and it's healthy, but you're also going to lose that monopoly and lose that innovation because everybody else is going to do it.
1: Yeah, I think you make a great point. Even Friday Night Videos, where I saw the debut of Thriller, that was network TV's response to MTV. You know, that was a way to show videos that was accessible to people like me who didn't have cable. So I think that, to your point, that was kind of a copy but again, the other point is if you can start accessing these music videos other ways or get your songs through streaming or YouTube, then you don't need to sit and watch MTV all day long. Right. So they had started some of these reality TV shows even back, you know, in the 80s and 90s, but it really shifted around this time they started out and they they actually were given credit for having some shows that were pretty well pretty well received there were some some nice critical reviews for shows like the real world when it first started back in 1992 some people really felt strongly about the osbornes newlyweds nick and jessica laguna beach my super sweet 16 those types of shows were given some some credit for being solid But then it started to shift into some things that people don't necessarily feel as strongly about. In fact, in that review I mentioned, actually, it was an interview I mentioned with the VJs. One of them, Nina Blackwood, said that she hated that she felt MTV had gotten away from its roots and it had moved away from music and it kind of moved towards what she called trash TV. I looked up the um, lineup for MTV right now just to see what would a 24 hours look like in terms of a schedule. And there were only two shows that were listed across 24 hours. They had showing after showing of something called Ridiculousness, which I've never seen. And Catfish the TV show, I believe, was the other option. That's it. Two shows.
0: Over 24 hours?
1: Over 24 hours. I mean, different episodes of the same two shows? but two shows.
0: Wow. So
1: that's, me. that's Whoa. what, so it's kind of sad. I think how different it is today and how people like our younger generation who maybe have seen nothing but the newer version of MTV probably perceive it because this was a quote. I'll end with this. Uh, this was a quote from a January, two thousand. 22 Reader's Digest article that was called How MTV Changed the Face of Music Videos and it said when the music channel first debuted it changed the music industry and was a main contributor to the culture and identity of an entire generation.
0: Oh yeah. That's definitely true. Yeah. Because yeah. they were but, getting their, but... The clothes they wanted to wear. The music they listened to. The style. Everything was coming from those people. Just like again. American Bandstand. In the 50s and 60s.
1: Armchair psychologist. So I guess. That's what I'd like to throw at you. For our armchair question. Ashley. So we get our music in a different way now. What is today's impact of music. You know, how how significant is music to this current generation? Do you think it's not as important or do you think it looks different? What are your thoughts?
0: Well, I think music is always going to be hugely important, no matter what time period we're in. You can go all the way back to the medieval times and music is important. It can soothe your soul. It can rev you up. It can get your adrenaline running. It's essential. I think Mm -hmm. the way you consume music is, is different for me. I used to be very into music, but I always knew music that was older than me, so I did not listen to, like when MTV was out, I didn't really listen to it unless I was at the skating rink. Then I would know kind of what the hits were. but. I was somebody who listened to CDs and records and the radio. So, if it was on the radio or if it was made before 1980, I probably was more into it. Now, my life now, I don't I don't get to hear it as much as I used to because my life is different in a in a busier way. So, I would say if I'm on TikTok and I see people doing TikTok trends, that's how I know what the latest songs are, because I'll hear a song on TikTok, and then I'll hear it on the radio if I have it on a regular, like a current hits channel, and I'll go, oh, I heard that on TikTok. So mm-hmm. for kids today, I would imagine that they get most of their music in the short form. So some some kids who follow, like Taylor Swift, they follow the artist, and she's getting ready mm-hmm. to release a CD pretty soon called Midnight's. Well, they're Mm -hmm. following her, so they're going to listen specifically to her. Now, how did she get out there? I don't know. Playing different places? I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting to look into how do artists today get exposure? You know, Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift is doing a lot to revolutionize the way that artists get paid for their own music. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I think it's always going to be essential, though. It's just how are they consuming Mm -hmm. it? How are the young people getting it now? They don't have the rollers getting ranked. They don't have the radio. They don't have, sounds like they don't even have MTV. It's just streaming.
1: Is mm-hmm. Yeah. I have so many thoughts. I, I'm not sure where to start. I guess the first comment I'll make is I'm realizing that when I was younger, music was so much of my entertainment. Yeah. And now I think my entertainment is podcasts. I think that I've replaced, I think I've replaced music with podcasts because I used to listen to music all the time in the car, doing chores, whatever. And now I do podcasts. So for me, that I think is a big difference. You're right. But I recognize music is still very important to me, but I think I use it in different ways. So for example, we were sharing in my job, we, we talked briefly about Self-care. And we were talking about strategies, you know, for stress relief or whatever. And one of the teachers said music is something that he uses very strategically in his downtime before school starts or during breaks Mm -hmm. or lunch because it can affect his mood and his okay. attitude. And I thought that is very true for me as well. That's I mean
0: absolutely true. You know what? That just that just reminded me when I am writing and I got this from a podcast, KM Wyland, helping helping writers become authors. So I'm gonna give her I think she's the first one that said this. She listens to classical music when she's writing, but she listens to opposites. So if she's writing a romantic scene, she might listen to some adrenaline pumping battle music just to give it a little different... The twist to it. So I've noticed that I've started doing that on YouTube. They have playlists called Dark Academia or Different Moods. So I select the kind of mood that I'm wanting for the scene and I will write the scene listening to that. I just put it low enough that it's just right there on the zeitgeist for me and I'll write according to that. Oh, here comes Mm -hmm. Scotty, everybody. (laughs) Scotty! joining us for the end of the podcast, but <laughs> you're going to hear his breathing. He just woke up from his third nap today. Anyway, I'll listen to this music and that puts me in the mood for what I'm trying to do or ambient noise. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to ambient. Yes. I don't want to hear the words. I'm concentrating, but I want something to fill the space. And I will tell you what, you will not find a more beautiful and more peaceful moment than if well, where I live in the country and driving on a foggy morning and listening to Claire de mm. on
1: classical
0: radio I mean tell me tell me what is more beautiful than that. I don't even know, but it can uh. very much affect your mood, and I use it I use it for that, so yeah, thank you for reminding me of that thank you yeah. for reminding me of that
1: but the only other thing I think I would add is while I don't use it as much, I think as a lot of other people do, I know that. All my friends, my kids, everybody I know has Spotify, Pandora, all the, I mean, all the different uh, Amazon music. I mean, all the different avenues of getting to songs and they use them all the time. I just took a girl's trip and on the way back, we, we just for probably two hours, we just played, called up different songs and just, you know, sang along to pass the time. And it was just anything we wanted right there. Yeah. I agree with you that music is just as prevalent now as ever. I think it's just as big with young people as it ever was. But I think you said it really well when you mentioned we consume it differently. Yeah. Well, who should we cheers, Ashley? Well,
0: I think we, who was the person that created MTV? Because that's who our story was about.
1: It's interesting because they mentioned a man named Robert Pittman having the original idea. Michael Nesmith of the Monkees was actually given credit for coming up with kind of an early music video idea that was more along the lines of, whoa you know, we were seeing in the beginning days of MTV. So he's been given a little credit as well. And I'm sure there were other people in there that I'm not able to to call by name. But why don't we just kind of do a cheers to all of those who were involved with launching our groundbreaking MTV. Let's do
0: it. Cheers to you all.
1: Cheers. If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing.
0: At our website www.scandalwaterpodcast.com. You can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can join the Scandalwater community through our Scandalwater Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandalwater Podcast.
1: This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote,
0: composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork. And Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical
1: support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the hosts during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.